Thank you for joining us. In today's world, we as grandparents and great-grandparents play major roles in the lives of our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The question is, what are we doing to influence their lives? Much is said about the financial, healthcare, and elder care impact upon the world. Yet very little is said about the priority of establishing a solid spiritual legacy to be passed down from generation to generation and leave it to God to take care of the rest. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us. And Father, we pray now that you would use me to preach this message in the power of your spirit one more time today. Pray, Father, giving you all the glory, honor, and praise right now that you alone deserve because you will not share your glory with another. It is my prayer now, Father, that these who are here would have ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say for this appointed time. Let our minds not wander outside of the Word of God. May we stay focused. May we write, document, receive, meditate on the truth of your Word in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Have your Bibles. Open it up to the book of Psalms, uh, the 42nd number of the Psalms, verse 11. This is the last of the four-part series entitled Victory Over Depression in a Troubled World. Victory Over Depression in a Troubled World. The theme scripture is Psalms 42.11, which says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my God and my Savior. Victory over depression in a troubled world. So many are depressed in our country. Youth are depressed. Teenagers are depressed. Uh, Young adults are depressed. It is at epidemic proportion. Seniors are depressed uh, because of fear and worry and uncertainty. And uh, many are wondering uh, who's next, uh, who's going to get the virus, or uh, if I get the virus, will I live or will I die, and all, and all these questions. And, uh, and sometimes uh, we can get so fretful and so worried that we spiral right into depression. And these series of messages have been so designed by the Holy Spirit to lift your spirit, to encourage you in the spirit, and to realize should you be depressed or if you are depressed, you can have victory. You say, well, I'm not depressed. I'm in a good place in my life emotionally. Well, good for you. But there are people in your family, people on your jobs, people in your life who are not where you are and you're responsible by almighty God to serve them this message, to give them the notes so that they too can receive healing like only God can give. With that being said, what are, what are God's remedies for depression? What are God's remedies for depression? Number one, sitting in the presence of the Lord and enjoying him removes depression. Sitting in the presence of the Lord, enjoying him 
removes depression. Many people are in the presence of the television. They spend all their time being immersed in media, bad news, and all kinds of things. And it doesn't do anything for their body, soul, or spirit. But the psalmist says in Psalm 16, 11b, in your presence is fullness of joy. Sitting in God's presence, reading and meditating on his word will uplift your spirit, will bring peace and spiritual healing to your soul. Beloved, being involved in in the lives of too many people can spiral you into depression. Being so busy that you can't spend time in the presence of God can also lead to depression. If you're too busy to spend time in the presence of God, then you are too busy. Sitting in the presence of the Lord and enjoying him removes depression. Secondly, uh, if you're going to get victory over depression, stop putting off seeing a doctor. Stop putting off seeing a doctor. You may have a physical condition that's causing your depression. After all, you may not know what is going on in your own body. Also, make sure you eat healthy and exercise, which guards against sickness and depression. It's critical. Now, some, some people, they spend all their time exercising and bodybuilding, which is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But they're so focused on their body until they leave their spiritual souls starving for spiritual nourishment. And so, and, and like I said in the first service, there are people who, who are of all ages, they jog in the rain and extreme cold and even without shirts and things, just trying to work up a sweat and all of these things. But yet they have no life of God in their soul. They are lost with a healthy body. You want to be saved with a healthy body. We need to have balance. We need to take, we need to take care of the physical body and we also need to make sure that we are building up the inner person, the inner man, so that we can be spiritually fit and ready to stand strong in these latter-day times. Uh, 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? The Holy Spirit comes in you at the point of salvation. He regenerates you. He saves you. He makes you alive. He lives in you. Uh, so it says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is the temple where the Holy Spirit lives, whom you have from God. The Holy Spirit is God living in you, your body, and you are not your own. Beloved, God gave you only one body. You don't get three bodies or four bodies. That's why you need to, you young folk, take care of your bodies in your youth. If you don't, the chickens will come home to roost, okay? You, you do drugs and a lot of alcohol and running around and sleeping around and doing things, strange things in the night. It's going to show up in your body, and you can be 45 years old looking like you 90 simply because you mistreated your body at such a young age. And once your body's messed up, you can't, you can't undo that. You have to live with those consequences until you close your eyes in death. So God only gave you one body on this side of heaven. So you want to take care of it. Your body is a gift from God to you. Your body is a gift from God 
to you, and he requires you to take care of the gift of your body. To neglect your body is to neglect the gift that God has given you. You are stewards of your body. You've been entrusted with the body you're living in. One day you're going to give an account as to how you treated the gift of your body. And to you men, I pause again like I did in the first service because most sisters can catch a cold and they go to the doctor. But men, hell will freeze over before some men will go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. You need to have annual checkup, annual reviews. You say, was nothing wrong with me. Well, don't, don't you come to that conclusion. You, you, get, you get some lab work. You get blood work. You follow up on yourself. You do what you need to do. You have a family that's depending on you. You're responsible. You know, the, and your family wants you around a while. He said, well, I don't do flu shots. I don't take pneumonia shots. I don't take shingle shots and all these things. And then when you get some, oh, I didn't know. You know, you, you don't, some things can be going on in your body without you feeling any pain whatsoever. And by the time you get to the doctor, it's too late. And I'm talking to men particularly because men are notorious for waiting and waiting and putting off and putting off until disaster strikes, then it's too late. So don't devalue the doctor. You need to know a doctor and have a good doctor and where you can talk and have a relationship with as it relates to your own body. Thirdly, giving priority to prayer relieves depression. Giving priority to prayer relieves depression. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says... Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. The Lord is able to heal. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Actually, sin will hinder the healing process. That's why you want to confess your sins because healing comes when one is in right standing with Almighty God. Prayers and confession of sins are so vital to the healing process. Sin hinders the healing process. Furthermore, we must pray in faith, believing that God will heal. If you don't believe that God is able to heal, then you hinder the healing process. We believe by faith that God has the power and is able to to heal, but we also must leave room for the sovereignty of God. You say, what what is the sovereignty of God? God has a right to do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, because he's on the throne, he's in charge, and God is not always obligated to heal, even though Jesus healed many in, in in the New Testament. But there are cases where he did not heal. So we must realize that we must leave room for the sovereignty of God. And just because you are saved and in right standing with God doesn't mean necessarily that every time you pray for healing, you are guaranteed that healing. You say, give me a scripture on that. Well, I certainly will. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, it says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation a thorn in the flesh was given to me, 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, not one time, not two times, but three times that it might depart from me. Paul had the privilege of seeing things people had never seen. God gave him revelations, and he saw things in the spirit realm. And to keep him humble, God permitted and allowed this thorn to be in his flesh and would not remove it even though he asked three times for it to be removed. Verse 9, and he said to me, God responded by saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. A lot of times when we um, are going through things and we're struggling uh, and God doesn't answer the way we think he ought to answer, it's because God is refining us through the process and God is developing us. He's developing our patience. He's helping us to depend on him. And if God healed each one of us every time we ask him to heal us, we would be spoiled brats. God makes everything beautiful in his time. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says wait. And sometimes God says no. You say, but why does he do that? Well, he's God. Who can know the mind of God? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So leave room for the sovereignty of God. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my ailments, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses. I'm going to trust God through these, these things. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Most of the time when we think we're strong, God just step back and just say, oh, you know, you are in my way. So I'll humble you so you depend on me. Then you'll see the strength of the Lord. Paul was a giant in the faith and pleaded with the Lord three times for the removal of the thorn in the flesh. And yet God did not heal him but said, my grace is sufficient for you. Beloved, you cannot overcome depression apart from praying for yourself. Now, you may have people praying for you, but you better pray for yourself in case they are not praying for you. Okay? Uh, James 5.16b also says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And you do yourself a disservice when you don't let people in on what's going on in your life so that they can pray with you and so that the elders can cover you in prayer and bless you in the name of Jesus. This is, this is what makes coming to the Lord's house so critical and so essential. Number four, uh, you must get rid of your addictions, which leads to depression. If you want to have victory over depression, you must get rid of your addictions. Acts 19 Verses 18 through 20 says, many who became believers confess their sinful practice. That word confess means to agree with God about your sins. Whatever it is, you say, God, I did that. You say exactly what you did and you repent and you turn from it and you renounce it about your sinful practices. A number of them in the text here who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. They, they, they were stripping themselves. They didn't care about who knew what they had. They didn't care about who knew what they were into. 
They just wanted to get right with God. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. You know, there are some things in your own life you need to burn up so you can get closer to God. Whatever keeping you from being right with God, hindering God, hindering your relationship with God, becoming that becomes a barrier between you and God, you need to burn that up so that nothing will separate you in your relationship and fellowship with God. Addictions will bring you down. Addiction will steal your joy. It will steal your motivation even to live. The deadliness of addictions. During this pandemic and shut-in, so many are struggling with addictions such as overeating. And you know when you're overeating, stomach is all bloated, you can't even draw your stomach in. You try to go to bed, you're eating too late, number one, and then you're miserable. You can't lay on your left side, your right side, or your back. You just, you, matter of fact, some of you are eating too late. You need to eat earlier. And some of you get up 11, 12 o'clock, rambling in the pantry and so forth. Listen, uh, all of that can, can be disastrous uh, when it relates to your health. You have to exercise self-discipline. Some of you, your, your addictions is sugar, uh, it's fast food. You just love to be in the hamburgers and the fries and the hot dogs. I'm not against any of those things. I love that stuff, but I discipline myself. I, I just eat it sparingly, and when I eat it, I enjoy it. I really, really do. But I'm not going to eat a hamburger every day or every two days or every three days or every four days and drink soda after soda after soda. That will destroy you. Fast food will destroy you. You need to eat healthy. Where's the broccoli and the cabbage, the carrots, the peas, the, the pinto beans? And oh, he said, all the stuff you don't like is what you ought to be eating. You know, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. But uh, if you don't take care of your body, it will show up on you. Gam the addiction of gambling, lying, drugs and alcohol will eat your body up. Pornography. Video games, television, social media, the cell phone, texting, email. You're in everybody's life. You're texting minute on the minute. Your cell phone is attached to your hand. It has become literally a part of your body. That's when you know you're addicted. You have it on your lap. You're trying to go incognito so so folk won't see you on it. But they see you. First Corinthians, look how quiet it is now. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, Some of you say, we can do anything we want. But I tell you, not everything is good for us. Now, underline this. I refuse to let anything have power over me. You need to underline that. What has power over you? What has power over you? What can you not do without? I mean, the, the only person that should have authority over you and power over you and influence over you is God and God alone. God alone. People shouldn't have power over you. Your possessions shouldn't have power over you. Your fashions should not have power over you. Food and tobacco and all this stuff should not have power over you. Only God and God alone should have power over you. Be resilient, fight, and refuse to surrender to your addictions. If you return to Christ 
and deny yourself, God is able to recover and restore everything the enemy has stolen from you. Joel chapter 2 verse 25a says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. God will restore if you cry out to God and ask him to heal you of those addictions. And all of us are addicted to something if we really tell the truth. Some of you is caffeine. Some of you is coffee. You know, some of you is negative thinking. Some of you is talking too much. Some children are addicted to bad attitudes. Some husbands and wives are addicted to bad attitudes. Some folk are addicted to gossip. And on and on, addictions come all over the place. I can't call them all because it's too numerous uh, for me to, to call them all. Number five, unresolved anger and resentment in your life will usher in depression and create countless opportunities for Satan to exploit your anger. Again, unresolved anger and resentment in your life will usher in depression and create countless opportunities for Satan to exploit your anger. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You're not to be perpetually angry. You shouldn't go to bed angry. Husbands and wives should not go to bed angry and not speaking to each other. One of y'all might not wake up in the morning and y'all say, you know, my husband died and I wouldn't even talk to him. My wife died and I, I gave her the silent treatment. Life is too short to be playing games with one another. How you respond to other people is an indication that you're angry. How do you respond to your children? How do you respond to your coworkers? How do you respond to your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? A sign of your, your anger is when you're yelling. You don't have to scream at your children. You can have authority by just saying, you know what I told you once? I'm going to tell you one more time. And if you don't do what I told you to do, we're going to give you some assistance in that area. And you can still keep your voice just like that with a slight smile on your face, but they know you mean business. Amen? You don't have to be screaming. And I, Teach yourself not to scream uh, to exercise your authority because then you got, the next day or next week you got to scream louder and louder and louder. You need to command respect in normal uh, voice sounds. It's not necessary to yell. See, a son, a daughter, a Shirley Sue, uh, Kente, or whatever your name is, I'm not going to yell at you, but I'm serious, okay? A negative body language uh, is a sign of um, anger. Sarcasm, being sarcastic with your spouse, sharp with your spouse. Mockery, put down statements. Saying what you're not going to do is a sign of anger. Uh, Insensitive remarks, refuse to be bitter, refuse to be mean, refuse to be honorary, refuse to be grouchy, because you cannot minister with your words when you allow prolonged anger to fester in your heart. You cannot minister. Your words need to to minister to your wife. Uh, You can't say thank you. You can't say I love you. You can't say I appreciate you. You can't affirm her. You can't affirm him. Uh, if you are angry and holding stuff that they don't even realize you're holding most of the time. Give your family and others room to make mistakes. You are responsible for helping them learn through their failures. Those failures in your children and grandchildren are teachable moments for them. And so instead of beating them up and beating them down, help them to process it in a healthy, well-balanced way and teach them life lessons 
from their failures. Therefore, be sensitive and have compassion when those in your family around you fail. Any of your grandchildren or children should feel comfortable coming to you to discuss any issue in their lives. You ought to be that open and transparent, and they know that they can always come to you because they can't come to you, I guarantee you. They're going to somebody, and that somebody is usually the wrong body, okay? Uh, number six, when it, in dealing with depression, refuse to allow depression to keep you in a pit, Refuse to allow depression to keep you in a pit. Be determined to press on through depression. There have been a number of deaths here, including me. My mother and father died within a 10-month span, very close. My mother just died this past May. I'm still dealing with her death. You know, there's nobody like mama. And many of you have had all kinds of folk to die. You know, And so uh, you have grief and sadness and pain. But you got to realize life goes on. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus and trust him. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Beloved, depression comes when you allow yourself to remain in a deep pit. And I'm talking to somebody live streaming on the internet, Facebook, YouTube. Some of you out there, as well as in person, You are in a pit right now. You're not just kind of in a pit. Your life is in a deep pit. Psalms 107.20 says, He sent forth his word and healed them. The word of God is so therapeutic for depression. That is a time for you to meditate on the word of God. If you're in a pit and you're deep down in that pit, and you can't go any further, the word of God is medicinal. The word of God is therapeutic. The word of God is powerful. It has the power to lift you out of that pit and heal you. The word of God says that wisdom and understanding belong to the old, and he commands us to let our lights shine among our children and grandchildren. Truly, it is time for grandparents to rise and shine for Christ in troubling times. By loving and patiently setting the spiritual tone for our families, we can make a difference and change will come. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. 